it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we're talking about this uh, basketball exhibition from Sunday today. Uh, didn't have a chance to do a podcast yesterday. I've been just like a tiny bit sick. Not even sick, but I like a cough and a throat thing that's been really annoying. It's not COVID. We know that for sure, so... Don't worry about that, but uh, it was really annoying for a few days there. But uh, yeah, plan today is to talk about that exhibition game against Nebraska. <sighs> Obviously, things didn't go great. They lost by 20 points, but I still think that there's some positives, and you have to remember the context of this season, which is if this is a tournament team, I honestly believe it's going to be because they win eight of their last 11 games, and you're like, oh, wow, there they go. They've squeaked their way in. Um, if they're not a tour- tournament team, then it's like, well, yeah, they're incredibly young, and this is a program that has made the tournament, if you count the COVID year where there was no tournament, six of the 11 seasons under Tad Boyle. So better than 50%, but just barely and it's an odd number uh and so if you're looking is this one of those 50 percent teams that make it ah i'm leaning no i'm leaning no um i will plug this right now too uh friday we will be having our season preview show it's gonna be a lot of fun we put a lot of work into it um and there's still plenty of work to be done honestly uh but it's gonna be me it's gonna be rk it's gonna be superstar dev and we're just going to be talking about a whole bunch of things about the season. Um, building the rotation, who's the sixth man, who's the seventh man, um, all the way down the bench. Uh, you know, will this be a tournament team? Um, what do they need to do to be a tournament team? 
Um, just all sorts of questions like that. Just kind of get us grounded, get us ready for the season. Um, and as a bonus, we'll be giving away three tickets to Saturday's game against Oregon State during the show. So all you got to do is watch along. You'll have a chance to win three tickets to the football game on Saturday. It's a good deal. And it's kind of a bribe to watch us talk about basketball. Um, so there we go. There's, there's that plug too. Might as well just dig in. Um, so, again, this was Sunday morning. It was an exhibition game for charity between Colorado and Nebraska. Um, Tad Boyle has said that he wanted to do this because he knew that this was a young team that hadn't played in a hostile environment before, and he wanted to give them reps doing that. Um, obviously, those reps were what you expected because it was a pretty packed crowd, honestly, for a Sunday morning game, a Big Ten Network Plus. They wound up losing 82 to 67, which, I mean, it's a 15-point loss to a Nebraska team that I don't think is all that good. Um, But let's just start by making some excuses um, because it's nice to get those out of the way. Obviously, the first excuse is they were playing in front of over 15,000 people and they were Nebraska people too. So you have to remember that it's uh, that circumstance with this young team. Most of them have never played in front of a crowd before. I mean, there was a Tennessee game last year. Um, the, the uh, tournament game, there were, there were more people. That was the real crowd. Um, but again, 10 of 12 players on this team are freshmen or sophomores. And that means that obviously they didn't get to play. Um, I guess Keyshawn Bartholomew would have been a he his, he redshirted the 2019-20 season, um, so he would have seen it, but he wouldn't have actually played in front of fans before. Um, so there was excuse number one. Also remember that it's a 10 a.m. Mountain Time start. That's not gonna be an easy thing to do. But I guess with those younger guys, they they're probably more used to that than the older guys just because they're, they're playing the AAU circuit and all that kind of stuff. Um, but just, just some of those weird circumstances. Also, and this is the big one, Evan Batty, Elijah Parquet, combined two points on 0 for 13 shooting. If that happens during the season, I would be surprised if Colorado wins a game. Um, they're just not... I mean, we know who on this team has played college basketball before, and it's those two and then a couple of other guys. And if those two aren't going to provide anything offensively, you're going to struggle. And is that a situation you want to be in, knowing that Elijah Parquet is not, you know, somebody who you look at as just a go get your own shot and score? I think that he's going to be better at that this season, but it's just not his strength as a player. And Evan Batty, who can provide some things offensively, but he's not going to be somebody who's going to go out there and just fills it up um, because, again, that's just not his role. He's going to be big and stout inside. He's going to open up lanes for other guys. He's going to make some nice passes. He's going to get some layups. Um, but that is not his strength as a player. It's definitely not ideal ideal to have your two senior veteran players playing in those circumstances or, or playing that style of basketball but it is what it is, and it's not a surprise coming into the season. 
Um, 0 for 13, though, that's definitely going to be a surprise. And you just think, you know, what if what if Evan goes 5 of 10 from the field, Eli hits the 1-3 and misses the other shots? Well, all of a sudden, that's 13 points, and this is a two-point loss. It's not quite how things work, but, you know, there's there's stuff like that you look at and say, hey, maybe it's not so bad. But, again, if you didn't watch this game, I mean, what, it was 44-28 at halftime. Nebraska pretty much dominated. And Colorado, I think, cut it to 12 a couple times, maybe even got to 10. I don't think they got to 10 in that second half. They made some pushes, but they were down by 20 for significant portions of this game and that's just not something you come back from in college basketball it is something you come back from if you're the Denver Nuggets but that's a very different sport that they play um so yeah I think that that's kind of the big thing in terms of basketball wise that you look at um it's just the the struggles from Evan and Elijah and I don't even think they played all that badly and they need they combined for zero turnovers um, but the shot wasn't falling and I, I can't say that that's never going to happen, but I can say that when it does happen, I'm going to be like, Oh wow, that's, that's, that's weird. Oh, for 10 from Evan. I mean, over oh, 10 from Evan, you're not going to see again. Elijah Parquet over oh, three more reasonable, but you're still going to look at it and be like, huh? Weird. Um, from there. What went wrong? Uh, there's plenty of answers. Keyshawn Bartholomew and KJ Simpson basically split the point guard role, combined one of nine from three, um, combined seven of 25 from the field. We've talked about this plenty on this podcast. You need a scoring punch from those guys. It's pretty much, it's that simple. You know, the way that this team is built You just need that because you lose McKinley Wright and you lose other pieces too. But, you know, instead of trying to make up for what McKinley Wright brought to the table, you know, instead of asking these guys to go out and not turn the ball over and to get a bunch of assists and set things up and play good. If they can just score points efficiently, that will be a a little... It's it's a place where they can beat McKinley Wright is what it is. It's a place where they can be better than McKinley Wright. Um, if they can put up some bigger numbers, specifically make their three-point shots, um, and there just aren't many areas where you look at this group and say, here's where they could be better than McKinley Wright was. But when you have that opportunity, and we're talking about, you know, it is going to be tough to make the tournament this season. It's one of those things that just has to happen, and that obviously did not happen in this game. Um, worth noting, Keyshawn tied for the team lead in points with 12. Obviously, a lot of that, the free throw line. Um, KJ actually only got to the free throw line once, which is kind of surprising considering his style of play. You would expect both of those guys to do a lot of work at the line. And I guess that's probably the other thing. Maybe this should be a, 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 more of an expectation going into this season. So Keyshawn goes 3 of 12 from the field. That's a bad night, obviously. But when you factor in the free throws, it gets a little bit better. I think that going forward, when he has that 4 of 12, the 5 of 12 type of nights, if he is getting fouled often and getting to the line and scoring points there, that makes up for some of the inefficiency in terms of the field goal percentage. I mean, even like It can be as simple as 
and you can just straight up look at it and say, so seven free throws, that's basically taking, what, three more shots and making all three of them. You throw those three for three in, and he's six of 18. It gets it up to a third. It's not quite that simple in real life, but you can kind of fudge those numbers a little bit and tell us a little bit more of the story. Still, obviously not a good scoring night from him. Um, maybe even more concerning, I think, is the the lack of assists. Um, ten assists for the team in the whole game. KJ had three. Keyshawn had one. Um, Elijah had two. Evan had one. Uh, Neek had one. We'll talk about Neek in a minute. But... Um, Keyshawn's got to set guys up more. Um, I think that at this point, we can kind of call him a score-first point guard. I don't think that that's off-base. Um, again, we're still early on in his career at CU, so who knows. But that's my expectation right now, is for Keyshawn to be a guy who looks to get to the rim first or looks to take a, a three-point shot first, and if it's not there, that's when he passes. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it is if you go 3 for 12. But but in general, I don't think it's a bad thing um, because that does open people up. You know, if, if he is getting to the rim and he is stressing the defense, then the defense starts collapsing more. People just start looking at him more and keep their eyes off their guy a second longer. And it just opens up passing lanes. It opens up driving lanes for everybody else. And again, when we think of the identity of this team, they need to to find some points from somebody. And that's, I mean, why not from the point guard spot? And so I do like that fit specifically with this team. Just got to remember that that is what it is. And, and if, you know, he took 12 shots. We had Neek and Evan each with 10. You had Jabari with 8. And a a lot of weight goes on to how the person who shoots the most shots performs. You know, when it comes down to the end of the game, you say, okay, who won, who lost? I mean, if, if one team has a guy who shoots 12, 13, 14 shots, if he makes them, there's a good chance they won. If he misses them, the chances go down significantly. And I'm not sure that, that we're totally bought in on the idea of we, we go as Keyshawn Bartholomew goes because I don't, think that he's the best player on the roster but um you know I think that this is you you need him to be that guy you need him to score efficiently enough that it opens things up for everybody else um against Nebraska he didn't do it I've watched enough of these practices to know he's capable and the truth is we just don't know until we get to the season um that starts against Montana State and you know how I feel about Montana State, but nothing in the world would be better for me than watching Colorado just put up 90 on these guys um, for a bunch of reasons. And obviously because I hate those Bobcats, but also because it would just be such a good sign to to see Keyshawn, you know, have a 9 of 12 night because that would change the conversation right now. Um, I, get, I mean, there's nothing you can do to... to set the story in stone at this point in the season. The season hasn't started yet. But I I think that there's, while there's a lot to be excited about with this team, it's not unreasonable to say, like, yeah, they might be a year away. And and you look at Keyshawn, and you look at a lot of these guys, and we'll talk about more of them, Tristan Da Silva, Jabari Walker, 
um, Neat Clifford, Luke O'Brien, KJ Simpson, Lawson Lovering, Julian Ham. I mean, you need those guys to really step up. And you don't necessarily need all of them to be really good or to play to their potential this season, but you definitely need a few of them too if you're going to be a tournament team. And that is what we will be talking about all year. And again, I want to stress this at this point too. We've talked about how I think they make the tournament. And again, there's a 40% chance I think they make the tournament, but their path is is getting really hot at the end. Because here's what I will say. I think there's a 60% chance or 70% maybe that at the end of the season we're saying that is one of the teams that deserves to be in the tournament. But I just don't... I think that there's a 40% chance that the resume says that. You know, because it, it your record matters. Your, win, your good wins, your bad losses, those matter. And there's potential for some bad losses early in this season. And I think that Tad did a great job building the schedule... You know, eight of 11 games to starter at home. Um, well, of non-conference games. You do have the little back and forth in the Pac-12 play early on with Stanford and UCLA. Oh, I've got the hiccups. Ate some ramen earlier. Um, but those three other games are what? They're uh, the Paradise Jam. You've got eight home non-conference games. That will hurt you in terms of all of the metrics, because a, a win on the road is obviously worth more than a win at home. And a, a loss on the road doesn't look as bad as a loss at home. But I think that that difference is easily negated by the difference in quality of play that we expect to see from this team on the road and at home just because of how it's constructed, how young it is, and how inexperienced this team is playing in front of crowds. Um, so... Again, just because they start this season five and five or four and six or whatever, I I don't know what this schedule actually is. So let's see. Let's just run through this real quick. Why not? Um, we're going to run through all these non-conference games. Montana State, there's a chance they lose that game. And obviously, I'm not pulling for it. But you look at Montana State, you look at New Mexico, you look at Maine. Those are all games they absolutely should win, but, I mean, is it reasonable to expect them to just drop one be- because they're young and they're going to have at least one of these games where there's too many mistakes to overcome? I think they probably do start 2-1 and one in that stretch, and calling out which one they're going to lose is really difficult. Um, from there, you know, Paradise Jam, you've got Southern Illinois, you got Duquesne you, or Northeastern in the next round, um, then the other side of the bracket... Again, I look at every team there. You know, Colorado State might be the toughest competition. Depends on what Creighton is. But Colorado State, Creighton, um, they're on the other side of this Paradise Jam bracket. So you don't have to worry about them. you got to beat Southern Illinois, which, again, I would say that this is one that I would be surprised if they lost, except for the fact that this will be their first real game outside of Boulder. Um and they're in the Virgin Islands, and that's a long flight, and there's a beach outside, and there's coconuts. Who knows? I heard they're going, like, snorkeling at some point. Like, we'll see. We'll see. Um, we'll see. But, again, well, how far do you expect him to go in Paradise Jam? Is expecting two wins before a loss? That might be a bit much. It's going to be close, though. 
it's you probably said it at one and a half the line and two wins is probably the favorite um but then moving on you've got the the pac 12 little turnaround here um home game against stanford at ucla if i'm betting today i'm betting they lose both of those um i hate to say it and like i think what colorado's had stanford's number right it seems like over the last couple of years they've been beating them a lot. Um, and I don't think that they're incapable of winning. But if you're picking a side, I mean, 60-40 Stanford wins? Who knows? Um, we'll see at that point. Maybe things are very different. There's a real chance also that Colorado comes out hot and just wipes the floor with these guys because they're so talented. Not Stanford, but up until this point. And if that happens, then maybe we're saying it could happen against Stanford too. At UCLA... I mean, that's one of the five best teams in the country, I think. And they're on the road for their first real road game. What do you want me to say? Uh, from there, though, you know, back into those last non-conference stretch with five more home games. Versus Tennessee, I mean, you got to call that a loss, right? Versus Eastern Washington, versus Milwaukee, versus CSU Bakersfield. I would favor them in all those games. I bet they probably drop one. And if you had to guess, you'd say CSU Bakersfield probably. Um, and then they wrap the non-conference up versus Kansas and you got to pick Kansas, right? And so what do we decide? That's one, two, three. We won't count paradise jam. We'll count these other eight non-conference games. Plus they have those other two. Um, but you go two and one and two and one. So that's four and two, but then you have the losses against Tennessee and Kansas. So you're four and four, um, plus whatever happens in paradise jam, and then you have Stanford and UCLA thrown in there too. That's who you're looking at. And if they wind up winning four games total out of that, st- that might be too much to come back from. You probably need to win five games before the end of uh, that non-conference schedule, which includes Stanford and UCLA. And that's not to like be on track to make the tournament, but to just say, okay, we knew it was going to be a rough start. You're going to have to get hot. If you only win five, you've got to get really hot at some point, but it's still possible. If you win four, then you're saying, ah, this is not the year for this. But I guess, actually, we'll we'll call it six, because even if they do lose a Paradise Jam, I'm not sure if they're guaranteed two games or three games, actually. But the number's right around there. Um, and that's the point, is that, hey, they could get blown out on any given night, based on what we've seen, right? That's what they've shown us. In this Nebraska scrimmage, they got beat down. How much stock do you put into it? Honestly, not a lot, but it played into some of the things we were skeptical about. Um, In particular, I think that we were skeptical now about this defense a little bit more. I think that you watch that Nebraska game, and we'll we'll dig into some more specific performances, um, but in general... It kind of looked like grown men against boys. And I think that a lot of the issues can be just kind of explained with that phrase. Grown men against boys. Whether it's the, you know, the just... The, I wonder what the points in the paint stats are. Actually, 36 for Colorado and 34 for Nebraska. That surprises me a little bit. Um, but it did feel like in there they were getting... Not bullied that's too strong of a word but but beat up definitely getting beat up um and then there's just things like nebraska with those open threes I and mean, they felt like veterans if they got an open three they were knocking it down 
they got a kind of contested three there. What was what was that number? Twelve of twenty-seven. So what is that? Forty-four point four percent. They were six of twelve in the first half too, and that's obviously when they pulled away. Buffs actually won the second half by a point, but yeah, they got to grow up fast. You know, things like Lawson Lovering. We know that he needs to get a little bit bigger, and I think that we can see him get a little bit bigger by the end of the season while adding things that are probably even more important than that to his game in that time. And by the end of the season, he's not going to be the same player he is today. And I don't think we expect K.J. Simpson to be the same player as today. I don't think we expect Keyshawn or any of these young guys, Neek, to be this way. Um, so, yeah. If anybody's on the ledge because of an exhibition game against Nebraska, don't don't be crazy right now. It's an exhibition game. And there's so many other circumstances. First road game, you're getting screamed at by 15,000 Nebraska fans. You, I mean, there's probably somebody on this team who hasn't played in front of a thousand people before. There's probably multiple people, fifteen thousand people, and they're Nebraska fans. I mean, well, there's more to talk about. Real quick, um, Breckenridge Brewery. If you're coming to the game on Saturday, we'll have some Breckenridge beers outside, north side of Fair and Field for you. They're the best. And if you don't believe us, just come to the tailgate and check them out. If you're looking for tickets, again, we'll uh, we'll be giving three of them away. You and two friends could go to this Buffs game. All you got to do is tune into our pregame show, or not pregame show, basketball season preview show. It's going to be live on YouTube Friday at 4.30. It's going to be a good time. And we're going to talk about all these guys. We're going to set some expectations, all that kind of stuff. Um, just set the tone. Figure out where everybody's at. We'll see what the chat's feeling like for all this stuff. And... Uh, I think it's going to be a good day. I think it's going to be a really good day. Um, but yeah, Breckenridge beers, we'll be drinking those on Friday. Um, and we'll be drinking them Saturday too after the game for the post-game show. Hopefully it's a happy one. Maybe it's a sad one. Um, anything is on the table. But regardless of how you feel, Breckenridge Brewery will make you feel better. Farmhouse is open. They've got food down in Littleton. It is really good. I haven't eaten there in forever. But when I did... It was really, really, really good. And I actually, I need to get back there for that too. Um, but also all the beers, the good company hard seltzers, you just can't go wrong. And shout out to them for helping us out with so many of the things that we do. Also, are you an NFL fan? Have you signed up for DraftKings Sportsbook? Because DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports bank partner of the NFL, has you covered with an awesome offer just for new customers. All you got to do, bet $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they do, you win not $50, not $100, not $150, $200 in free bets. And again, that's on a $5 bet on a team to win a game. Thursday Night Football, you got like the Jets and the Colts. Colts should win that, right? Just bet on them to win. It's that simple. You'll probably make like a dollar, dollar fifty on that bet because it's so obvious what's going to happen. You'll turn your $5 into $6.50, plus you'll get $200 in free bets. And if you're already a customer, then you know that they have a bunch of other offers. Got to check them out before Saturdays, before Sundays, because they have always got Parlay Boost or, or something like that going that you got to take advantage of. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR and bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. 
Win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Oh, real quick. DraftKings pick of the week. Colorado plus 10 and a half. We'll talk about this football game later on in the week. Colorado plus 10 and a half. It's going to happen. Um, offense is for real. I'm bought in today. Um, back into basketball though. There's a couple more guys I want to talk about here. Um, the big one is Nick Clifford. Um, he, he's good. You know, we see the only one. So he was five of 10. I guess Luke O'Brien was three of four. Tristan De Silva, four of seven. A uh, lost and lovering one of one. So you did see some guys finish with 50% shooting or better. But nobody was doing that uh, at the scale, the volume that Neek was. Except for maybe Tristan Silva. We'll talk about him too. Um, but five attempts from the field, one of three from three, hit a free throw, uh, four offensive boards, four defensive boards. That's eight total. Uh, an assist, a couple of turnovers, 12 points in 22 minutes. I mean, it's good stuff. Tad Boyle calls him the sixth starter. I think he's ready for that role. You know, he is... I mean, there's some guys where it's like, he is a young player. KJ, to me, I don't even know if he seems older than he is. Maybe. I think KJ probably does seem older. Jabari seems older than he is. Tristan definitely seems older than he is. Neek is one of the guys who feels just a little bit younger. Not because he's like a goofball or like nothing personality-wise. It's just like when you look at him, you're like, okay. And it just has that vibe that... Maybe it's just from remembering remembering him being recruited and all that stuff. Um, but I do think he's ready. And, and Tad has had some great things to say about him. He really, I mean, beyond being just the sixth starter, he really does think that this is kind of a breakout year for him. And I agree. And, and you look at the things that he can do. Obviously, today in basketball, you start with outside shooting. It's like he can do that. He can knock down some threes for you. But... He can hit those mid-range shots. He can get into the paint and be physical. And he isn't the biggest guy. I mean, what, 6'6", 191? He isn't the biggest guy, but it still seems like, from what I've seen at least, he's able to get buckets in the paint. He finds a way to put the ball in the basket. And as a sixth man, that's the thing that you need. The question for him, honestly, the question for him and Luke O'Brien is what is this defense like? Because to me, they're both players who... They can be factors offensively. You know, Luke O'Brien was three of four from the field, four of five from the line. He had 11 points, four field goals, 13 minutes. He filled it up, but they aren't always going to be that efficient. They aren't always going to provide that punch. And when they're off, is their defense good enough that you're still saying, hey, I mean, they're, they're still plus players tonight. And both of them have those tools. You know, Neek has maybe a little bit more length. I Not a lot more length, though. Um, and Luke has the size. You know, Luke can play the two. He can play the three. I, I honestly would, wouldn't mind seeing him at the four. That's probably more like a next-year conversation. You know, you, maybe, maybe you don't expect to see any of that this year when he's a sophomore. But if he just gets a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger then he could absolutely do it. Right now, who knows, maybe. But those two guys, I mean, they're just crafty. You know, you, when you look at a guy like Tristan, or not Tristan, like KJ, 
just so explosive, so fast. Neek and Luke, I mean, Neek probably more explosive. I mean, Neek definitely more explosive. Um, but that isn't their game. You know, it's just this craftiness. And again, if they are good defenders this season, that is huge for, for Colorado. Because those are probably two of your first three off the bench, depending on how things shake out. Two of your first four, definitely, I would say. Um, I was impressed by them. And Tristan De Silva, he, he has just such a nice game. They list him six foot ten, and I have a tough time believing that. But I mean, he is—he is tall. He is very tall. But he is one another. He's crafty. He's got a nice jump shot. I think that can he put the ball on the ground and, and get to the rim? That's my question at this point. Or is he just like a, a shooter type? And again, like there might be a spot for him. You know, saying anybody's an NBA guy is bold. But he is the type of player who, like, he he might not have to have nice handles. Like, what what were his stats last year? What, what did he shoot? 53% from the field, 27% from three. That's over 15 three-point attempts. He went four for 15. You know, if he went six for 15, we'd be drooling over him right now. Um, but, obviously, if pre-efficient score is so long... And what he's four or seven, got a couple boards, couple assists. He's another one where it's just like, how physical is he? Is he a good defender? Can he block shots? Um, is he strong? You know, those. It's just some of those sorts of things that, at this point, are holding him back. Going forward, I'm not worried about. You know, Luke O'Brien defensively, I'm not worried about that next year. Neek next year, no. This year, what are these guys? And and they've got to be good because, again, there's going to be nights where, where the points just aren't there. Um, how good are they defensively is the question. Um, and there's reason to be hopeful, for sure. Lawson Lovering, another one of those guys where it's like, just how strong is he? He's got a bunch of things you're excited about. Even if he's not strong, he'll block a couple shots. If he's just strong though that would be very 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 useful um i'm uh i'm excited about this team um maybe we'll just leave it at that because that's most of my thoughts i don't have too much else i need to say um yeah i mean it's going to be fun especially if you have the right mindset because again this is a team that if they do make the tournament it's because they're a much better team at the end of the year than they are right now. And that's not to say they're bad right now. It's just that it's hard to make the tournament. And they're playing in the Pac-12. They've got some tough non-conference games. Just got to survive. Find a way to pull out wins early, and they'll be in great shape. And it all starts on Tuesday. But really, it all starts on Friday at 4.30. Me, Dev, RK, giving away tickets to the game on Saturday. You're not going to want to miss it. We've got a lot of fun stuff planned. No costumes, I just realized. Might need to figure out a way to get costume incorporated. Um, but, you know, that's that's a me problem. Uh, that's going to do it for today. We'll start talking about this football team uh, tomorrow, and I'm, I'm excited about that too. I am. Brendan Lewis, Brady Russell, Brendan Rice. How can you not be excited about Brendan Rice right now? We'll talk about all that tomorrow. I'll see you then.